Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Amen. What a joy. What a, what a wonderful opportunity to celebrate the greatest gift that God has given to us. And we praise God for that. Can we put our hands together for our choir, our band? What an amazing... I saw some people got up who never got up in church before. Then I knew something is happening here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. God is good. Can you wish someone beside you a Merry Christmas? Just wish them. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. All right. Amen. I think this happens maybe every seven years or so that Christmas falls on Sunday, right? I mean, we get to actually celebrate it. Otherwise, we will be home. You usually don't have service on Christmas Day. But being Sunday, obviously, we decided we need to celebrate this and enjoy and celebrate God's gift to us. The birth of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, is precious, and we praise God for that. I want to thank everyone that is worshiping with us. If today is your first time, wow, thank you so much uh, for coming, for coming to worship with us and enjoy uh, this presence. I want, to we- I want to welcome Pastor Lorraine, a good friend and a pastor. If you can rise up so people can recognize you, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. She's a, she's a retired pastor. Still in ministry, but retired from, uh, you know, pastoring. I, I want to be like that one day, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. If you guys will let me, amen. Hallelujah. But God is good. And all the time. I want to thank God for our creative art ministries. Yesterday was amazing. We had a great, great, great time enjoying the season. It's one of the most beautiful seasons. Obviously, it's the most beautiful seasons of all seasons, and we praise God for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we pray? So, Father, we thank you. Uh, what a good God you are. We thank you for giving us an amazing gift, the gift of your son. And that's a proof that if you can give us your son, how shall you not with him give us all things? So today we celebrate that. We celebrate this beautiful gift to the world, joy to the world, light to the world, the prince of peace. Government shall be on his shoulder. We thank you because of his kingdom. There shall be no end. That is your son, Jesus, that saved us, that loved us, that cared for us. We thank you. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before I go into the message, I have a few announcements. We're going to have our meet and greet today. Uh, it's the last Sunday of the month. We still decide to have it anyway. So if you've been coming to Agape, you've never had an opportunity to attend one of our meet and greets. Uh, it's going to be today in the prayer chapel. Just go to this side in the hallway and uh, you can go to the prayer chapel there. All right. I would like to celebrate with you with some of the leaders. Uh, God bless you. I want to remind you there is no Bible study this week, all right? You can just enjoy your last week of the year, all right? God bless you for that. 
Uh, crossover service will be this Saturday. Amen. It's going to start at 9 p.m., all right? Uh, it's going to be packed. I'm sure you know that. We never have enough room for crossover service. Uh, if you want to get a seat, please come early. It's going to start at 9. Doors will be open early. By 8 o'clock, doors, doors are open. So you can come and spend the next few hours or the last few hours of the year, you know, praying, worshiping, in corporate worship. I think it's a wonderful thing. Amen. Uh, so please come and God bless you. The next day is still a Sunday. So we've decided to move the service up by two hours. So our service will start at 12 noon. Uh, instead. So please note that if you come early, you know, doors will probably be open, maybe. All right? You can just uh, be here early. All right? Uh, but it starts at 12 noon. That means we're going to move some of our things a little bit back or forward, rather. So it means our workers' prayer will be starting around uh, 11.30. So if you're a worker, we expect you to be here at 11.30 a.m. to pray and to just, uh, you know, prepare ourselves for the service. January 2nd, we begin our 21-day fast. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> Praise Jesus. So you need to prepare yourself. Preparation is necessary. You will be getting the devotional. It will be mostly electronic this year. So it will be sent out in the course of the week or before then. Uh, it will be a 21-day devo devotional that you can follow along and we'll be praying daily by God's grace at 6 p.m. Hallelujah. All right. So last week we talked about the, we examined the characters of the Christmas story. Uh, we said the Christmas story, even it's a wonderful story. It's an amazing story, but it's a story that has many characters. And we look at other characters that were part of the story you know, like Elizabeth, you know, uh, Zachariah, you know, the shepherd. All these characters that God chose in his infinite wisdom to be part of the great story that he's creating. And we said it's not different today. Uh, the story continues. And God has chosen every one of us to be part of his story, to be part of what he's doing. And we all have to recognize our place and play our role faithfully. Praise the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. But today I want to just emphasize something that I, you know, just struck me. That I thought is probably one of the most compelling aspects or surprising aspect of the Christmas story. And it is the fact that most people missed the promised Messiah. And I think if you read that story again, you will see that that is the, the most shocking part of the story of Christmas is that most people missed it. Never in the history of the world has something been so anticipated and yet missed when it arrived. I remember... One of the most anticipated things was, was a Y2K that I can remember, right? I mean, that was probably one of the most, in my, in my lifetime, I remember 10 years, you know, several years before the year 2000. It was very anticipated. There were a lot of talk of what was going to happen. So 
is the same with the story of Jesus, even much more. About 1,500 years to the birth of Jesus, God began to give his people an enormous amount of specific information about the, life, the birth of Jesus, his life, and his ministry. In fact, the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, it was written by Barton Payne, itemized 127 what is called Messianic predictions involving more than 3,000 Bible verses. That means if you read the Old Testament, there are at least 3,000 Bible verses devoted to telling us about the coming of the Messiah. There's a scholar who found out, did a little research, found out, thank God for scholars, they do the work so that we don't have to do it. There are 574 verses in the Old Testament that point or describe the coming Messiah. So the fact that Jesus was coming was not hidden, was a common news, was a common understanding in Israel. In fact, to prove it to you, even the Samaritan woman, when Jesus met her, talked about the coming Messiah. She wasn't a scholar. She wasn't a, a thinker. If you go to John chapter 4, verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain this to us. No, she didn't realize she was talking to the Messiah. You know, so, so it is probably the most anticipated news, the most anticipated occurrence, the most anticipated promise of God in the scripture was the coming of Messiah. There were a lot of description. All every prophet talked about him. Even Balaam talked about the, the birth of coming Messiah. Every single prophet in the Bible described his birth. Isaiah devoted probably is the most uh, is the most prominent of them. Told us of his birth in Isaiah chapter nine, Isaiah chapter eleven. Told us in Isaiah fifty-three of his death and of his suffering. And even the Bible says the prophets were astounded about when this is going to happen. They knew a child was coming. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It was known that Jesus was coming. Praise the name of Jesus. But it was shocking that most people missed the coming. Isn't that amazing? The majority of the people at his time actually did not recognize him. In fact, I can even go further. The people who recognized him were the most unlikely people at the time. They were, they were even not the most credible people, if you really want to talk about it, right? We've talked about Shepherd. We've talked about the Magi. We've talked about, I mean, all of them. You can go on and on. They were not the most credible people. They were not 
the people that, you know, you would think you even be able to recognize this greatest gift of all that God promised us. They were not the most credible people. Jesus, in talking to the Pharisees, told them, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Hallelujah. So like we said, the people will recognize him. They were the most unlikely people. We have the shepherd like we talked last week. They were watching their sheep. They were uneducated in the matter of God and in the matter of religion. The shepherds will not be the people you go to to get a word from the Lord. If you want to get, want to get a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. The Magi, wise men. I mean, they were foreigners. They were not even part of the covenant of Israel. They were foreigners. They were not people you expect will be able to discern, you know, that Jesus Messiah has been born. Yet, they were the first set of people to recognize Jesus and to give him gifts. And they recognize he's the Messiah. So Jesus, or God, chose the most unlikely person to even bring his child to the world. Mary had no pedigree. Mary was a teenager, unknown. Nobody really, there was nothing unusual about her. No pedigree, nobody. Mary chose, I mean, God chose Mary, the most unlikely person, to carry his child. And Mary became the mother of Jesus. He chose the most unlikely circumstance. I mean, a circumstance that, if you have to describe it, is scandalous. That's not something you want to be associated with. A circumstance of somebody betrothed to be married and getting pregnant. That looks so much like a scandal. was so bad that Joseph said, I don't want to be part of this. I'm going to just divorce you secretly. And let's just, let's, let me just go out of town. You can go out of town. We can just disappear and prevent, and pre, I mean, and pretend that this never happened. So God chose such a, such, a, such a very unusual circumstance to bring the greatest gift to us. That is weird. He chose the most unlikely place for him to be born. He was born in the manger. There was no place in the inn. No place in, you know, the, the hotel, the hospital where... A child should have been born. God chose such an unlikely place to bring the greatest gift to us. But I think God is still doing the same today. Yeah. Hallelujah. God is doing, still doing the same thing today. And the lessons for us as we celebrate this Christmas is that the greatest gift can be easily missed. 
the greatest gift that God gives us, we can easily miss them. And many of us sitting here are probably already missing the greatest gift that God has given to you. Because sometimes the greatest gift comes in the worst package possible. Greatest gifts sometimes don't come in the package we expect. That's why people missed it. That's why the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders, the prophets, the who is who in the religious circle, they missed the birth of Jesus. They were not expecting him to come in the way he came. And they missed it. So we have to be very, very careful by understanding that the greatest gift can easily be missed. The most anticipated gift can easily be missed. The gift of salvation, the best thing that can happen to you can easily be missed. Our brother started the service today by talking about us not missing the essence of Christmas. All in the midst of what is going on, the Santa, the gift, the tree, the decoration, the noise, the, you know, all the funfare, all the exciting things, which makes this season very wonderful, which makes us to, to really just want to enjoy the season, but we must be very careful that we don't miss the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. If you're here, you're not saved. What good is it to you that we are celebrating? Of what benefit is it to you that we, we had this great service, this production, this wonderful song, you know, beautifully dressed? It's the only day I can wear a red blazer. <laughs> and not feel awkward, right? Feels really good. But I don't want you to miss the greatest gift. I don't want you to, in the midst of that, not have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Miss the essence of his coming. Sometimes, the greatest gift, people that God has placed in our life, we can even miss them. Many people have missed their day of visitation. Many people have missed their blessing. Sometimes God sends people to you. You miss them. The Bible says we should be very careful. The Bible says we should entertain strangers. That means we should, be, we should have discernment. It talks about Abraham that God is miracle by entertaining strangers. But he had an angelic visitation. Do you know angelic visitation does not have to be dramatic? doesn't have to be in a vision, in a dream. It doesn't have to be cloud, the cloud of glory, the excitement. An angel visited Abraham and Sarah as a stranger looking for food. And praise God, the man of God was discerning. They were able to welcome this angel, entertain the angel, cook for the angel. And that was the contact point for the miracle they've been waiting for for 25 years. 
May you not miss your greatest gifts. Hallelujah. May you not miss the gift of God that is sending to you. There might be people in your life now God has sent to you. There might be circumstances God has sent to you. Messages God has sent to you. Maybe you miss them because of the messenger. You miss them because you are not expecting that word to come from that person. That is a big lesson of Christmas that we must learn. The greatest gift can sometimes come in the worst package possible. That is Jesus. The Bible says there was no beauty that we should desire him. No beauty. There's nothing desirable in the physical about him. Number, another lesson we must learn is recognizing God's gift requires an attitude of humility. It requires an attitude of humility. Humble recognizing the proud it didn't. People who thought they knew so much missed him. The teachers of the laws, the experts in the law, I mean, they even killed him. I mean, they conspired to really have Jesus crucified. And those were the people that should have pointed to Jesus. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, but he wasn't part of, you know, wasn't part of the echelon of people that, you know, that anybody will listen to. The common people listened to him, but even the leaders of the law, the teachers of the law, the experts of the law, they refused. They, they, they were not humble enough. Hallelujah. So the attitude of humility is very important into recognizing what God is doing in our life. God cares about seemingly how we treat seemingly important people. Hallelujah. That's why James tells us, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. So for if there shall come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there shall also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourself and becomes judges with evil thoughts? Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I was sick, you did not look after me. Bible says the people will answer, how is that possible? That's not possible. That we will know that Jesus was sick and we wouldn't go there. How is it possible that I will be aware that Jesus was lacking and I will not? But Jesus said, I wasn't, I came. But I came disguised as the least of this. Sometimes God comes to us disguised. As the least of this. God is sometimes found in insignificant places. It's a big, there is an important story of a prophet 
looking to hear God. Prophet Elijah, I believe that's in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Bible says he was looking for God. He was looking to hear the voice of God. And the Bible says as he was praying, as he was praying, as he was just, you know, in the spirit, standing before God. The Bible says a strong wind came and tore the places like a tornado. And broke things, broke rock into pieces. And Elijah, rightly so, assumed God was there. And he ran. And he didn't find God there. God was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Wow. And after the fire, a still small voice. I wonder how many still small voice we have resisted. I wonder how many still small voice you have ignored. God speaking to you. God ministering to you. God telling you stuff. God leading you. Directing you to do certain things. And God's voice is powerful. Obedience to God is the key to fulfilling our purpose and destiny. I have no doubt many of us miss God because we ignore the still small voice. We're looking for fire. We're looking for earthquake. We're looking for the shaking and the wind. Sometimes God comes in that, but actually most times he doesn't. Most times he doesn't. So we must be very, very careful to learn about God from the story of Christmas. I mean, I think that story is so, it should really shock us that many people missed Jesus Christ in his days. We have the benefit now. We can read about the account. But could we also be missing him in our lives? Could we be missing God? Could we be missing his direction? Could we be missing his leading? Could we be missing what is, you know, many people say, oh yeah, I need to know God's will for my life, God's purpose for my life. Could you be missing his still small voice? Because you are caught up in found fear, you're caught up, or you have your mindset thinking this is how he will speak, this is whom he must speak through, this is the circumstance he is going to speak. Hallelujah! The story of Christmas should teach us something about our God, He loves our heart posture. To be a posture of humility. A posture that is poor before God. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the poor in heart. A posture that is not subjective. That doesn't already say, this is how I want God to do this for me. 
This is how I want God to speak. This is who I want God to use. This is how he must speak to me. This is how he must minister to me. Could it be that we miss God because he comes in little things? God told prophet Zechariah, despise not these small beginnings. Despise not the small beginnings. Small thing that God is, you know, bringing to you. Jesus, in his ministry, paid so much attention to children. In one time in his ministry, the children came and they were just, you know, disturbing the, the service. And the disciples just said, you know, no, let's, let's get the, these kids out. You know, let's, let's, let's take these kids out. I mean, this is, this is serious business here. This is not for kids. I mean, Jesus, the Messiah, I mean, we don't need kids. Jesus said, come down. Come down. Bring those kids to me. Bring them, bring them, bring them. He stopped the service. And he put them on his laps. And he said, this is the kingdom of God. Unless you can be like one of these babies. Unless you can be childlike. Childlikeness. You see, babies recognize small things. Babies are impressed with small things. They are impressed. They are wowed easily. I mean, adults, we're not wild anymore. (laughs) Right? We've been there, done that, right? We're not wild. We're not wild by small things. We want big things. But God said we must become like one of these little ones. May we have this attitude. May we have a childlike heart. May we develop such a heart. That's what the shepherd had. They were childlike. They were nobody, so they can respond. They were not subjective. They didn't have an opinion. They were not there to lecture God. They were not there to teach him. Others were there. Pharisees were there. Sadducees were there. The teachers of the law. They were there pontifying. They were there dissecting. They were there doing whatever. And they missed God because they, he didn't come in the manner they thought he should. Jesus was not the kind of Messiah they were looking for. They didn't come as king in the manner. They were looking for. He probably didn't look the par the way they thought a king should look. All right, God tricked the children of Israel. They went for, in the days of Samuel, they went to God and said, We need a king. So we need a king like other nations. God said, Look, I don't want a king for you. I said, But we need a king. I mean, we don't want to be represented by prophets. 
I mean, we don't want these prophets, you know, they're not dressed apart, they have all these beard. I mean, then they go to the United Nations, they say we are the leader of Israel. That, that's not good. I mean, we want, we want a sharp-looking king that shows up, gives a speech, and wows everybody. That's okay, let's try it, let's see. He gave them Saul, the most handsome man, the tallest. I mean... The next tallest person in Israel was Saul's shoulder. But it was not good. It was no good. It was a disappointment. It brought curse to the children of Israel. When they saw Saul, they said, this is the perfect picture. This is the guy that should really speak to us. This is the child that should represent us. But that experiment failed. And when he failed, God said, you know, now I'm going to give you another one. He brought David, the most unlikely person. Unlikely person. When the prophet told Jesse, I'm coming to your house. Bring all your sons together. They left David. I mean, and they said to themselves, I mean, who is going to watch the ship? I mean, if you're all going to meet the prophet, I mean, someone has to watch the ship. I don't think David, David, you're, you're not qualified. You're not, you are the least likely person to be here. But David is the man. It's amazing, right? That God really comes to us in the most unlikely way. That's the lesson we should learn. And that should be our prayer. That we will be of discerning spirit. That we will have the eye of our eye of our understanding enlightened. That we will learn to, we will be able to see God even in little things. We'll be able to see Him, appreciate Him. That will enhance our worship. That way, enhance our worship. Our worship will be much, will be richer if we can recognize God, you know, even in small things. Small things, little things. It takes discernment, it takes humility not to miss our visitation. I pray that uh, this Christmas. We will walk out of this with the recognition that of our own, we will miss him. But we need his light. I'll wrap up my message by challenging you. If you're here or you're listening to me online, And you've not made that most important decision. You're listening to me. You are living a lie. You know that you're living a lie. You know your heart. You know you've not fully surrendered to Jesus. This will be your chance. This will be a day. Our brother that started the service. Hallelujah said, shared his testimony, how he gave his life to Jesus Christ. 
on a Christmas Sunday or a Christmas service. This could be yours. Today could be your day that you will make that decision that will change your life forever. It's the most important decision. I'd like us to bow down our heads and pray because I'd like to pray for somebody here today. There's someone here today you want to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want this Christmas to be my Christmas, to be the beginning of my testimony. I would like to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If you are in this congregation, that's awesome. You can just wave your right hand. I would like to pray for you if you are here sitting. Don't miss it. Don't miss your day of visitation. Please wave your right hand so I can see it. If you're worshiping online, obviously I can't see you, but God sees you. Amen. God sees you. So that's the most important thing. I'll be praying very soon, but I'd like to know the people I'm praying for. So I'd like to know someone that is making that decision. If you're making that decision, please wave your right hand. God bless you. God bless you. Any other person, I'll give you 10 more seconds. As I make that decision. Thank you. Thank you, Ma. God bless you. Thank you, Ma. God bless you. Any, any other person? Just stand up where you are. I'd like to pray with you. Just stand where you are. I'd like to pray with you. Just stand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Please stand. Stand on your seat. Where, you know, just where. Still in your position. Just stand up. I'd like to just agree with you in the spirit. I thank you. Any other person? Don't, don't miss this. This is a... This is a very important time. Yes, I see some young kids raising their hand. That's good. I see some adults. God bless you. Don't, don't let this pass you by. You want to say, I, I'm, I no longer want to live a lie. I want to truly know today that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I don't want to just be practical practicing religion yes maybe i've been in church all my life i know all the songs but it's not in my heart that's the question is jesus in your heart do you feel that burning touch that is touch you but you want to respond to that today you know i don't want to just practice religion i want to have a relationship with jesus if you're watching from wherever you're watching for, just place your hands on your chest. You can stand up still. God sees you where you are. Place your hands on your chest as we pray together. Hallelujah. I want you to just repeat after me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for me. I am sorry that up until now, I have missed you. I have not given you the attention that you deserve. So today I want to confess that you are my Lord. I want to invite you into my heart, into my life. Be in charge. Be the director. Lead me. Guide me. Write my name in the book of life. Let me know that you are with me. Thank you, Lord. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. I like the old church to rise up because I like us to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss his voice. I don't want to miss his voice. It's scary that people can miss him. He can be there and we can miss him. He can be, he can be prophesied 3,000 times and people still missed him when he showed up. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss his direction. I don't want to miss his leading. I don't want to miss his voice. I want to be at the center of his will. You see, our life is only fulfilled when it is lived in the will of God. It doesn't matter what, you know, we accomplish, what we think we accomplish. We have to all recognize that one day we will face him. We'll face him. We'll face him. We'll give account of our life. You don't want to be ashamed that you have made a waste of our life. You don't want to be, you don't want to, you don't want to be ashamed when you face him face to face. When your life is played before you, how have you lived? Have you recognized him? Did you, did you live for him? Did you live your life for him? Did you give him glory? Did you give him honor? Did you, did you honor him with the life he has given to you? You want to be able to appear before him with boldness and confidence. That as much as you can, you have given him the glory. Can we lift up our hands and say, Lord, please help me. Just pray that prayer. Say, Lord, I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss your voice. I don't want to miss your direction. I don't want to be like the Pharisees, the Sadducees. I don't want to miss the moment. I don't want to miss what you're doing. I want to hear you. I want to live my life in the center of your will. I want to live my life in the center of your will. I want to know that I'm in your will. I recognize you. I heard you when you speak to me. I followed you. I followed your direction. I was not moved by worldly things. I wasn't just responding to people, responding to feelings, responding to emotions. I was, I, I'm not just living my life, just chasing things around. I want to, Lord, I want my life to be that I recognize him. I'm like that shepherd, those shepherds who responded. I'm like the major. I responded to the voice of the Lord. May I hear your voice. May I be able to heed your voice. May I be able to live my life knowing that I'm in the center of your will. Let that be my testimony. Let my testimony be that I live my life. In the center of your will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. To worship you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today. We honor you. What a time. What a privilege to spend this beautiful Christmas Sunday in your presence. Knowing you, loving you, worshiping you. 
But we pray today that our life will be lived in a manner that honors you. Recognize today that the best of life is a life that is lived in the will of God. So that we will not be ashamed when we come before you face to face. We want to be confident that we've done your will. We've lived our life in the center of your will. May that be our testimony. Holy Spirit, may you lead us and guide us. May you direct us. May you correct us. May you chastise us where he needs. Holy Spirit, may you stir our hearts towards you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let that be my testimony. Let that be our testimony. Every one of us. Even as we continue our celebration of Christmas. Thank you, Father. We give you all glory and all honor. In Jesus' name.